0: Into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host JR, and we are here to talk about all the things going on in the Big Ten. Today's episode is all about recapping week five what went on, what happened, the domination, the sadness, the happiness, everything that went on with so many different teams. I have Sonny with the Eli and I cast here to join me, and then I have Brant, the CEO of Big Banter Sports, here to break it all down and recap it together. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna let go ahead and let these guys tell you where they're from, where you can find them on social social media and then uh, we'll get into the recap sunny you want to go first
1: yeah sure you can find uh, us at at IlliniCast. we try to release about two podcasts every week talking about Illini sports obviously it's football season so we're talking about football uh, but you can also find me at, at the Sunny V where I kind of have a more of a
2: higher level I just talk about sports in general
0: very good awesome thanks for doing that Sunny V Brant you want to tell people where they can find you at
2: Yeah, so I'm Brant. I'm the CEO and founder of Big Banner Sports here. Uh, You can find us over on Twitter at Big Banner Sports. Um, Just kind of overarching Big Ten news, uh, content, all that good stuff. Um, Catch all the retweets and stuff from all the podcasts within the network. Uh, So lots of of great content from all 14 Big Ten teams out there. Um, And then you can find us on Instagram. Um, Basically, same type of stuff, but just different platform uh facebook we're working on getting that launch and we got to take as well um all those can be found at big banner sports so be sure to go follow along if you're not already
0: very good thanks for doing that and uh if you don't know we are brought to you by big banter sports so BigBantersports.com. go there for all your big 10 media needs for football and basketball all right guys let's Enough of that. Let's get into this, all right. First game that we're going to get into, Penn State at Northwestern, 41 to 13. The the final score here might be a little misleading, but this one was one that was close in the first half, but then Penn State started to pull away. Uh Brant, what were some of your general thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, Penn State started this game very, very slowly, which we hadn't really seen them do yet. Uh, which was really interesting cuz I I really thought they would just go out there and kind of pound Northwestern. Uh, it's a lesser Northwestern team, obviously, with all the turmoil that's been going on um, with that program. But Northwestern really hung around at first. Drew Allard didn't look too comfortable in the pocket, which is going to be something that uh, that's going to be huge for for Penn State as they get into these bigger games against Ohio State and Michigan coming up in a few weeks. Uh, so, I mean, Penn State, they, in my opinion, are the most complete team in the conference right now. Um, especially defensively. I think there's no holes in that roster. And I think that really showed against Northwestern aside from maybe like one big play at the start of the game. Um, So I think, I still think they have the best defense in the conference and potentially even in the entire nation, but offensively that's where they haven't quite met my expectations. Drew Aller definitely just, you know, he, he didn't look like all he he hasn't met the hype in my opinion so far. Um, and then the run game. I know this is something that the Booze, Beds and Ball podcast has talked about a lot uh, with those two running backs, Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton, supposed to be easily the best duo. Well, not easily the best, but one of the best duos, if not the best duo uh, up there with that Michigan and that Ohio State duo of running backs. But they've kind of lacked explosiveness so far and definitely showed in this game as well. Uh, they didn't really pop too many big runs.
0: Yeah, I got a mess of thoughts about the running game, and we're going to get into that. And Penn State fans, you might call me crazy and that I'm against you. Maybe I am, but I have a whole mess of thoughts about that. But before we get there, Sonny, what are your thoughts?
1: I mean, same thing. I kind of saw I got the alert on my text message. uh, Hey, Northwestern's actually up, I think, 10 points or something like that on Penn State early in the game. And so I turned it on for a little bit. And then as soon as I did Penn State, just kind of rolled them over. Um, Penn State's kind of the new kid on the block now when it comes to the Big Ten, you know, with the expectations that they have. So, you know, they're, they've got to realize that every team is going to give them their A game. And, you know, Northwestern, they may not be very talented right now. And, you know, there might be a, might be kind of a chaotic program. But, you know, Coach Braun has them trying to compete. And those kids were going at Penn State. And, you know, Penn State's just got to realize that they got to bring their A game every single week, week in and week out, because they don't quite have the consistency the other two teams have so they've got to prove their dominance on the field so and you know what I want to give credit to Northwestern I was talking to Austin my uh, co-host on uh, the Illini cast I wonder if coach Braun is uh, playing him himself basically into a permanent job um, I'm not sure I think it's too early to decide that right now but I think they're over under on wins was three and a half and I believe they're already at two and, you know, again, they competed with Penn State for at least a quarter. And so if they can just keep putting forth the efforts, um, there's going to be teams that they're going to be playing later on the schedule not nearly as good as Penn State. So they might be able to squeeze another couple of victories out. And then, you know, then a the conversation might need to be had about uh, keeping him on.
0: Well, I think that's a really good conversation to have. And I I want to hit the pause button on Penn State for a minute and talk about this. Brent, you give me your thoughts. What does, what does Coach Braun have to do in order to secure this job? Because at the end of the day, Northwestern, they have this opportunity here to go make a splash hire, right? They have the money. Maybe this, you know, isn't the the best time in the world, but it's definitely being overshadowed by the whole Michigan State situation, right? People aren't nearly talking as much about the Northwestern scandal and those kind of things, right? I mean, what does Braun have to do to get that job? Because I don't know if it's as simple as just winning four games because there could be other options out there. What do you think?
2: Yeah, for me, I really think that he just has to win one more game and that puts him in a good position. Well, not one more game because they play Howard, one more Big Ten game. If he wins one more Big Ten game, I think that puts him in a pretty good position to potentially secure this job. Uh, Just because, at least my expectations and I think the national media's expectations were that this team's not going to win a Big Ten game this year. And for them to do what they did against Minnesota two weeks ago and to come out uh, pretty hot against Penn State, They've, this is a team that's had some vitamin and if if these players are bought in uh to coach braun why can't the entire university buy into him you know
0: yeah and that's my thing is like that's one of the things i wrote down here as a positive is this team is not given up Right. This team, they stopped Penn State and they forced a field goal in one drive. And then two drives later, they're driving down for 10 plays, 59 yards, with a 17 yard completion on third down and then a 22 yard completion earlier. Like, I, I'm genuinely impressed by watching this Northwestern team because these these guys haven't given up, right? I mean, it would be so easy to just throw in the towel and say, "Oh, wasted year." You know, yeah, we'll try hard against UTEP, we'll try hard against Howard. Uh, but at the end of the day, this isn't this isn't our year. Uh, but these guys, I mean, they're they're playing for pride and they're they're also playing for Coach Braun, I think, as well. Uh, Sonny, do you do you agree with Brant? You think just maybe two more games, including the Howard game, or what?
1: I mean normally again you know I think two more games enters him into the conversation but now with the future of college football and all the money that's going to be coming into the Big 10 I think Northwestern which is obviously one of the two jobs that we know is going to be available next year is going to be very highly sought after and so there's going to be a lot of good established coaches uh outside the power 2 who are going to try to you know throw their names into the ring uh for that uh job and so I mean, I, again, I th- I think he should be considered, but I'd also probably want to see who else is interested in the job because right now, you know, they lost a lot of talent and they had a mainstay and icon at the university there. And so they've got to rebuild because otherwise, you know, the rest of the Big Ten is going to kind of run away from them because the Big Ten's kind of really become a, you know, a good coach haven um, in the country.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Wisconsin got Luke Fickle. Nobody expected that to happen. That wasn't on my radar at all, at all. I was always saying that if Luke Fickle goes anywhere, it's after Ryan Day leaves or gets fired at Ohio State. But uh, he goes and he takes a Wisconsin job. I feel like, and this is just my personal feeling, I have no insider information on this, but I feel like this is a situation where Coach Braun has nowhere else to go right? He's not going to get a head coaching job for anywhere else. He he basically lucked himself into this job. He got hired. He wasn't a part of anything. And then all of a sudden head coach is fired. And then he comes in, boom, you're the head coach, right? He's not somebody that's being considered for these head coaching jobs. So I don't think he has any other option to turn to. I feel like Northwestern is going to say, let's take into the off season. We're going to explore as many options as we can, see what our candidates are, put all the money on the table. And if we don't land anybody, then yeah, we'll go with coach Braun. But I don't Just the way I look at it, if Northwestern is serious about winning, I can't imagine that, you know, they're going to be satisfied with three, four wins and say, you know, we're just going to go with this guy and move on. I feel like they, if you are playing Big Ten football now, especially with Oregon and USC and Washington and UCLA coming in, you have got to make good hires and make sure that your program is set up well. Because if not, you, you, here at the beginning it's going to take forever to try and get better and it also has to be in people's minds too we don't know what's going to happen in the future could schools like northwestern indiana you know those who aren't performing as well eventually be kicked out someday i don't want to see that happen i don't think it should happen but i mean i never i also never thought usc would be in the big 10 so it's like
2: <laughs> what, yeah, what is jr it go, going off that point about uh, you, you brought up indiana so, they kind of had a similar situation where Kevin Wilson was fired because of right. um, a, a bit of a scandal. Mm-hmm. Tom Allen comes in, does a good enough job. They give him the full time job, and look where they are now. Tom Allen's probably gone after this year. Yep. Um, so, I mean, granted, Indiana had not really had any success in the past whatsoever. They're one of the worst um, Power Five programs in, mm-hmm. in, in college football history. Northwestern isn't really much farther ahead of that. Like they didn't really have too much success until Pat Fitzgerald was brought in there. Um, So my question for, for you guys is if you're a young up and coming head coach and you have an offer on the table from Indiana, you have an offer on the table from Northwestern, where would you rather go?
0: Who's offering me more money?
2: Okay. Yeah, you got that. But let's, let's, say, <laughs> let's say it's let's even, say money. even money. Even if it's money.
0: even money, I'm going to Northwestern. The recruiting out there, I think, is going to be better in the Chicago area. You don't have, you know, Notre Dame and Purdue in your state with you covering you. Honestly, I think I'm going to Northwestern.
1: That's what I was going to say. Uh, basically, where I picked Northwestern only because the only other program in the state isn't exactly, you know, a world beater themselves yet. Um, at Indiana, when you're living in Indiana, you're no matter how good you are, you're going to be second fiddle to Notre Dame. And right now, Purdue has an up-and-coming coach, an up-and-coming up offense that it's fun to watch. I think there's uh, a tougher battle in that state. Uh, Illinois is a you know, more fertile recruiting ground, as J.R. mentioned, so I think all things equal. Uh, Northwestern just built new facilities as well, so I think that's the gig uh, I would take.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. Let's talk a little bit of Penn State before uh, we run out of time on this one, because we are spending a lot of time on this game. Uh, Penn State here. Here's my thoughts. All right. And I'm going to be hard on Penn State and Penn State fans. Here's the deal. All right. You are now a top tier team in the Big Ten. Last year, you played your way into that. So when we talk about top tier teams in the Big Ten, we're talking about nitpicky stuff. Okay. Yes, you have one of the best defenses in the nation, if not the best. I think you might have the best defense in the nation. Yes, you do not turn the ball over except for on that kickoff, that fumble. But as far as I'm concerned, it's not an offensive turnover. Okay. You guys are taking care of the ball. You're playing great defense. You are like, you know, the steroids version of Iowa right now. Okay. It, and that's a compliment. I'm not trying to say you're Iowa or anything, but here's my negatives. Okay. Drew Aller, he just seems so timid. All right. When he throws the ball, he he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he wants to throw it down the field. A couple weeks ago, I thought that was Mike Yersich. I, a couple weeks ago, I thought that was Mike Yersich that didn't want to throw the ball down the field. But it, when I watched Drew Aller, like I feel like he sees these guys down the field, and and I know that Penn State doesn't have the best receivers in the world to make those uh, players run downfield, but you have to take shots eventually. And I think in turn that is destroying the run game, right? I don't think this is the best pass blocking, uh, offensive line in the big 10. I think that they've gotten hurt through injuries. Uh, they had that guard. I think it was that medically retired at the beginning of the year. You know, I hate that for him. I hate that for the team, but unfortunately, like this is just a situation we're in. Um, this is the fourth game in a row. I looked this up. This is the fourth game in a row that Nick singleton has averaged less than four yards per carry i mean we were talking about him as one of the best running backs in the in the country at the beginning of the year and now he's averaging less than four yards per carry i look at this and i say penn state you have a really good track to go to the playoffs but you've got to take some more downfield shots and you have to get this running game fixed especially for a guy like nick singleton otherwise you're just going to have Guys keep loading the box and you're just gonna keep leading on Drew Aller, who is still a first year starting quarterback. Um I, Brent, you tell me, am I right here? Am I wrong? What are your thoughts?
2: I think you're absolutely right. I think they really have to open up the field to get that run game going. And in order to do that, Drew Aller has to throw the ball down the field. And you don't really see that. They've got a great deep threat. And um, and Keandre Lambert Smith, that's one of the faster guys in the conference. Uh he can get open deep, great vertical threat you've got some good tight ends that can run some seam routes over the middle. Uh, Tyler Warren's a good guy who had two touchdowns a few weeks ago. Um, You've got the weapons. Um, They're running good routes. They're open, but Aller, you know, it's only what his fifth start um, this upcoming week. That was his fifth start. So he's, he's, he's a young guy. He hasn't played much ball and yeah, he's just, he's timid in the pocket. He needs to, he needs to kind of let it rip against some of these lesser teams before he's going to be forced in situations where he has to throw the ball down the field against like a Michigan or an Ohio state. So I I think he's Mike, your really has to start dialing up some plays to let him just go for it
0: for sure. Now, Sonny, you watched your team play uh, Penn state. Um, I mean, what do you think? Am I just looking at this from the outside and you're like, no, this isn't really it. Or am I onto something here?
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, as you said, absolutely. Penn state has an, a great defense, but you know, Who else has a great defense? Michigan. And this year, Ohio State. So at some point, you know, defense isn't just going to win you these games. uh, Penn State's going to have to work out the kinks right now against the lesser teams because the other two teams uh, play great defense too. Michigan right now looks like the top team in the country. Ohio State we know has a firepower. It's Penn State, again, as I referred to earlier, as the new kid on the block who's got to show to have that confidence knowing that when they go into – you know, Michigan or at Ohio State that they're you know going to be able to score some points to keep up with Ohio State because right now I don't know you know I mean they struggled for two and a half quarters against Illinois they had a bad first quarter against Northwestern they repeat that against Ohio State they're going to be down 21-3 in the first half so you know they they got to figure things out and, and they got to try to figure it out against the lesser teams.
0: For sure, for sure. And, and these are the kind of games that when you're in the top tier of the Big Ten that you sometimes get judged most harshly on because it's looking forward to those games like you talked about to Ohio State to Michigan. Cause you're not just satisfied with beating Northwestern, but you're saying, how did we beat Northwestern? Were we good enough? Is this going to be good enough for those big games? So, all right. I think uh, we covered that pretty well. Let's move on to Illinois at Purdue. Uh, Sonny, I'm sorry to bring it up. We do have to talk about it, but I will let you uh, get first. On this one, uh, Illinois loses 44-19 to 19 at Purdue. Heartbreaking for Illinois, but a big party for the Boilermakers. Sonny, what were your thoughts?
1: My thoughts are I'd rather talk about Penn State for another 15 hours than <laughs> have to talk about this game. Um, I talked about this in our preview uh, season preview episode uh, at a line I cast. This was the game I wanted to win the most if I had to rank um, them 1-12. to 12. There's a there's a rivalry going on, obviously, with the coaching changes. And, you know, he's taking a lot of our coaching staff with him. Um, Illinois and Purdue are basically going after each and every recruit that the other one's going after. Um, you know, Purdue's hot on the trail right now. Like, they've been landing four-star after four-star. And both teams were struggling, you know, uh, going into this game. And, you know, I guess I'll just focus on our guys. It's just – it's puzzling for me to see – a Brett Beal and my team struggle on the lines the way they have and just committing stupid penalties because that's just not what his teams do. Um, we definitely have a coordinator problem uh, on our offensive side. And it's it's it pains me to know that finally we have a good quarterback who, again, had a very good game himself. But we can't protect the guy. The guy's running for his life every time. Uh, he hikes the ball. And I, I've been seeing this with the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields. It's the same thing. So I don't know. Maybe it's me. I got to stop watching football or at least rooting for these teams. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those games. It was 16-13 at halftime. And they basically had a gift touchdown um, where Altmaier fumbled and they uh, ran it in uh, for six. So I was feeling good at halftime. And then the third quarter happened and Purdue ran off 21 nothing. Uh, Third quarter, And then, you know, by the fourth, uh, Brett was going for it pretty aggressively on fourth down, which, you know, he needed to do to have any sort of chance at winning. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't convert, which gave Purdue short field position to make the score look a little more lopsided. Um, trust me, we noticed that, you know, Purdue had a chance to run out the clock with less than two minutes left, and they wanted to pad their score a little bit. And I know that had to have irked Brett uh, down the road. But again, that just kind of fuels the fire of this rivalry as it is. And so, I don't know. Illinois has got to figure a lot of things out because this is not the team I was uh, thinking I was going to be
2: watching this season.
0: Truth. That's a, there's a lot of truth there. Brent, what were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, my thoughts on this game, and I mentioned this over on the Big Bookie podcast last week, was that the loser of this game, it's really kind of season over for them because the Big Ten West, as we all know, it's going to be an absolute dogfight week in and week out. Um, every every matchup on that side of the conference. But both of these teams were teams that had been struggling early on. And it just feels like once you lose that one, you kind of, you, ju- you just take a shot. Like all your momentum's gone. Um, you just lost a big, big game in, for that side of the conference. And for Illinois, it just feels like they maybe have dropped out of that Big Ten West race after losing that game to Purdue. Uh, on the flip side, Uh, With Purdue, the upside that we'd seen there all year long was the potential um, to have a very explosive offense. and We saw that come to fruition. Uh, They also have a lot of pieces on defense, but it wasn't necessarily clicking. Um, I think they definitely played a lot better in this game. Uh, It wasn't a complete game by any means by Purdue, but definitely the best one they've played all year. Uh, And then on Illinois' side of things, definitely a lot to work out. Um, It's still a team with a lot of talent. And I, you know, Bealma's a great coach. He can maybe um, get a few more wins that maybe they shouldn't get. But you know, at this point in the season for Illinois, things are really just looking down.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I my whole thought with this game because you were right, Sonny. It was it was a close game at halftime, and um, and and you're exactly right too, Brant. That you know, really for the loser of this game, it's like you know, where do we turn from here? Kind of. But my whole thought with the storyline of this game is that this game was the seasoned vet and Hudson card versus kind of the newbie on the block of Luca Altmire. I like the future of Luke Altmire more than I like the future of Hudson card and who Hudson card is now. I think Luke Altmire is going to be better than him next year, but he can't show that if he doesn't have an offensive line uh that can protect him. And also he can't show that if he doesn't trust his offensive line. I watched that game and there were a few times back there when I felt like Luke Altmeyer all he had to do was kind of, you know, go this way and, and just maneuver the pocket a little bit, you know, take a few steps this way, open up this lane, fire the ball. When in reality the pressure was coming in and it was almost just like bail right away, which I can't really say I blame him. Illinois, I think they've let let up the most sacks in the big 10 out of anybody. I was looking at some PFF numbers the, the other day and the amount of pressures that he's had on him from the Illinois tackles has been crazy. Uh, and so for a young quarterback getting in there doing that, that's just, I mean, that's really, really hard. And I think that Luke has a bright future. I just hope that this season with this offensive line doesn't damage that. I hope that he can work through this and he can get together with his offensive line. So that way they're not they're not hurting him. Uh but then like I said too, Hudson Card, like he's a season vet. He played at Texas, he he knows the pressure, he's had all that going on, and Purdue relies on him and for good reason too, because Hudson Card is a really good quarterback, I think. I think he is really good for the Big Ten. Do I think he's NFL level? No, probably not. But for a college quarterback who can be a good season vet and win you some games, I I think he's that guy who can do that. Uh, And so I just go back to it, it kind of went down to the season vet quarterback versus kind of the newbie on the block quarterback um, and really that whole battle there. So interesting one to say the least all right moving on to Michigan State at Iowa Michigan State loses this one 26 to 16 Iowa pulls ahead with a punt return from uh, Cooper DeGene there in the third quarter fourth quarter I think it was the fourth quarter when that happened Um, let's go to you first here Brent what were your thoughts on this one
2: yeah, that return was the fourth quarter. It was actually a 16-16 to game, That's about right. four minutes left in the game, and Cooper took that one to the house. And it was kind of at that point where you knew the game was over because, I mean, both of these teams just could not get anything going offensively as expected going into the game. Like, Michigan State, you haven't seen the offense do really anything all season long, and vice versa, same same with Iowa. I mean, they just can't get it moving. and. Also, a big, big storyline in this game was Cade McNamara being knocked out uh, with what looked like a pretty bad leg injury. Uh, he, he was on the sideline on crutches uh, for the rest of the game after going and getting checked out in the medical tent. So no, no update on his status yet, but it'll be interesting to see if he's able to return this season. Uh, Deacon Hill um, stepped in there for him. Big guy. He's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six. just a big dude, like 240, cannon arm. But uh, th- no experience, no accuracy. Threw some bad balls. Also had some really, really bad drops from his receivers. So it wasn't really just all uh, the quarterback play or the play calling, but a lot, a lot of bad receiver play there as well. Uh, so the Iowa offense really was in shambles. One offensive touchdown in this entire game from both sides. <laughs> um, so definitely Big Ten football at its finest out there. Um, and then Michigan State, I really don't know if they're going to win a game the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Like this is a team that, you know, going into the season it was Northwestern who we were looking at as the bottom feeder with the turmoil going on. Let's kind of flip the script over to Michigan State now with the whole Mel Tucker thing. Uh, and this just doesn't look like a team that has any fight in them whatsoever. Um, if you're if you're over on Twitter, definitely check out Bacon Wire, um, Spartan Dog ninety seven over at Bacon Wire was not too happy with the performance. Uh, another night and I don't think he's going to be happy the rest of the season but I I think he knows what he's signing up for uh, being a Michigan State football fan this year
0: well and it's not just the play on the field but if you haven't heard out, those out there um, Michigan State there and I haven't read into this too much but I know their like main NIL supporter is no longer making NIL payments to their players so it which is just baffling to me. In today's day and age, that you would just say no more payments to players—that's gonna make your players feel terrible. That's gonna make your recruits feel terrible. I was listening to uh, the recruiting show for twenty-four-seven the other day, and uh, one of the guys on there—he was just like, "Yeah, Michigan's gonna lose their entire class." He said, "Or Michigan State is gonna lose their entire class." He said, "If you can't pay these guys their NIL," he said, "there are a group of five schools out there with better NIL than that." And so those guys like. They, they they want to make some kind of money in college. And so they're going to go somewhere where they can make that money. And if you got an offer from Michigan State, most likely you've got an offer from some kind of group of five school that probably has at least some kind of manageable NIL. Um, Sonny, do you have any thoughts on the game or just anything around Michigan State at all?
1: Uh, not so much. I, I guess you know it's one of those things. It's hard for me to ever compliment Iowa. But the fact that they won that game now, essentially without their QB one, Their two best running backs and their top tight end. You know, at some point, it's almost like this is actually really impressive. Like, you know, I know it. It shows you like how little those positions matter on offense because their offense is bad regardless of whether they're there or not. But it's just, uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I can laugh at from, uh, you know, from far away because if you read the news stories, if you read the box scores, you would think Iowa is a 500 team or below. But then you look at the standings, you know, the wins are there and they keep pulling it off, you know, week after week. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, the conundrum of being an
0: Iowa fan. I looked this up the other day. When Iowa plays Power 5 teams, the Power 5 team that they're playing is averaging 83 plays a game. Anybody want to take a guess at how many plays per game Iowa is averaging? I could tell you. 49. It's, it's
2: exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs>
0: was almost half in power five games but guess what they won one of those power five games they beat iowa state so i it's just it's no they won two of those right no because they played penn state sorry uh but they did win against michigan state i don't know why my mind is not working this yes they beat michigan state they beat iowa state of course they lost to penn state but still like that big of a disparity between the two it's it it is just absolutely astronomical to think about uh yeah my question to you guys and uh Brent you answer this first um is Iowa's offense really all that much different without their QB one without their tight end one and without their RB one and RB two
2: yeah you know I was talking to my girlfriend's dad today about this because he's a massive Iowa fan uh season ticket holder he Um, he said, no, not at all. So we answered the question. Uh, McNamara didn't look great actually at all, um, throughout the first few weeks. Uh, so really just it's plug and play. Uh, the offense wasn't even doing anything with their QB one in there. So replacing him with another guy who maybe doesn't have as much experience as McNamara, but was McNamara doing anything anyways? No. So yeah, bottom line, it's not really going to look any different at all. Yeah. Sonny, your thoughts? Uh, Yeah, pretty much the same. I talked about on our uh, last podcast, you know,
1: uh, Iowa receivers coming to this weekend had caught 14 passes. And, you know, I mean, you can throw me back there and I can throw 14 times. Um, I, I, I think, you know, we heard, heard something in the offseason about Cade possibly being injured. I wonder if there's like there's something to that or is the offense just that bad? Which I mean, I guess with Iowa, that could very well be it.
0: Yeah, well, and at the end of the day, Iowa fans don't feel like we're crapping on you because at the end of the day, like Sonny said, this is impressive that your eye, mm-hmm. that your offense is missing this many pieces and you're still coming away with, you know, what a 10 point victory against another Big Ten team that it, it is honestly impressive that your special teams and your defense is that good that you're able to do that, especially withstanding 83. 83- <laughs> plays a game from power five opponents opponents just wild all right our next one is Michigan at Nebraska Michigan at Nebraska Michigan won this one 45 to 7 just an absolute blowout in this one um Roman Wilson had four catches for 58 yards two touchdowns that one touchdown he caught behind that Nebraska uh DB's back was just insane uh Sonny what were your thoughts on this one
1: You know, I had this on my second TV because I like to go back and forth with uh, Nebraska fan base a lot. And so, you know, I was kind of intrigued by this game. And, I mean, a quarter and a half in, this game was over. Michigan, you know, Penn State was the, you know, uh, the sexy new pick uh, to win the Big Ten this year. Ohio State was Ohio State. And not many people really just talk about Michigan because they're just really, really good. But I think they're even better than what the rest of us thought that they were. I read a stat that they have not yet allowed anyone to have an uh, end goal on their defense, meaning no one has been able to get the ball within the 10 yards of their uh, touchdown yet all year long. Now, granted, their schedule has been super soft. And, you know, in my opinion, Nebraska is probably a bottom five uh, uh, P5 team in the country. But this was a game that nobody cared to watch uh, once the second half hit, except for. You know JJ McCarthy's backup Tuttle, I think his name was when he came in. His family was probably super excited to watch him on the on the field. But this game, you know, it's just Michigan is really, really good, and Nebraska is just, you know, it's a Matt Rule team. He has history of really burning it all to the ground in the first season, and I think that's uh, what's
2: going on with them this year.
0: For sure. What were your thoughts, Brent?
2: Yeah, Sonny, you probably got a lot of Anna having that on your second TV for. Uh, just to spray at the Nebraska fan base because that was just an absolute <laughs> embarrassment. Um, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I I love tuning into Michigan games and just hoping something goes wrong. But with their schedule, it never does. I mean, the, these guys don't play a competent opponent until they play Penn State, and then they play us. And um, I mean, that, that's looking forward a little bit. But I think maybe with them not really being tested uh, prior to those games, could be. Could be good for for their opponents, Penn State and Ohio State, know that's down the road. Uh, Back to what we saw in this game, Michigan hadn't really, I mean, they had steamrolled everyone they played so far, but they hadn't covered a spread just because they were expected to steamroll everybody they played so far. And I honestly, I completely expected them to come out and smack Nebraska around exactly what happened. Uh, Definitely was not surprised by anything I saw. Um, This Nebraska team is still a year or two away from Matt Rule getting his guys in and Really being competitive, uh, so I was not surprised by what I saw. Um, Michigan looked great. They're going to be a real force uh, and definitely a real threat to get their third uh, back-to-back-to-back Big Ten championship.
0: Right. Yeah, uh, I have Michigan in my power rankings at number one. Yada yada yada. Michigan, you know how good you are. So um. <laughs> <laughs> we we've given you your flowers, okay? Just, just this is you know. fun being on
1: the show with two Ohio State fans. i right, see like, your guys's face just cringing i mean
0: i clenched i tell i tell michigan fans all the time i will if you want to talk about how you beat ohio state sure you know you earned it you won it but the minute you come in here and start telling me we're the best team in the nation it's like don't lose to tcu right don't lose to uh georgia worse than you know any big 10 team has ever seemed to lose to georgia right at least recently um you know i that's been my thing with them the entire time is Michigan, you do look great and you look like you have the best team in the nation. You obviously have the best team in the Big Ten in my mind. I have you at the top of my power rankings right now. <laughs> the biggest test for Michigan will always be The playoffs. Can you get there to the playoffs? Can you beat Penn State and Ohio State? You have the past two years, you know, so I'm guessing that you're going to beat at least one of them again this year, but can you do that? And then can you finish it off when you get to the playoffs, whether you're facing, you know, the powerhouse of Georgia or the plucky underdog, of TCU. Um, but here's here's uh, the main thing I took away from this game, guys. I was thinking about it in my head, and actually, the guys in cover three uh, brought it up as well. But uh, you guys tell me what's more disrespectful, okay? Georgia last year having chicken wings on the sideline as they were beating TCU, or JJ McCarthy making out with his girlfriend on the sidelines while Nebraska <laughs> is still playing the game and Jack Tuttle's out there. All right. I, Sonny, you tell me which one's more disrespectful?
1: Um, oh, man, uh, I'll probably say J.J. McCarthy, because at that point he got his numbers in already. And, you know, it, him just taking the second half off to fool around with this girl. You know, that's that's a flex.
0: I, I mean, I don't blame him for it. OK, you know, I'm like, hey, dude, I'd probably be doing the same thing. But I'm just trying to figure out which was more disrespectful. Right. Brant, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with McCarthy there, too. That dude is just an absolute cringe ball. Like, I can't even stand to look at him. He, he reminds me a lot of Zach Wilson, but just way cringier. <laughs> I've not heard of Zach Wilson JJ uh,
0: McCarthy comparison yet, but uh, it's fun to think about. So, all right, we won't we won't crap on Michigan, and we're not crapping on Michigan. Michigan, you're great. We just love to have fun at your expense. Okay, all right. You have an awesome we fence, and you have the best we fence in the nation. Moving on, Indiana at Maryland. Maryland beats Indiana forty-four to seventeen. Just steamrolls them kind of like the the nebraska game but this is maryland and indiana nobody really saw i mean people thought maryland would win but i don't think anybody saw this coming from uh talia tongovailoa he just balls out 24 for 34 352 yards five touchdowns um i i was blown away by how well maryland played in this game brand what were your thoughts
2: yeah same here i mean i I thought Maryland would probably win the game, but they typically play Indiana closely, even when Indiana doesn't have a great team. And I thought this Indiana team would be a bit more competent than maybe last year's team was, but Maryland just went out there and absolutely ran through them. Talia looked like two out there throwing the ball. Um, It, it just wasn't even a close game whatsoever. It was like 21 to zero and within the snap of the finger. Um, So that Maryland team, they're probably the fourth best team in the conference right now. I think hands down, um, I, maybe they haven't played anybody. I thought Indiana would maybe set up to the plate and play them a little closer because that's probably the best opponent they've had on their schedule so far. But for them to just go out and play like that really just solidifies them as the fourth best team in the conference and definitely puts them on Ohio State's radar a little more uh, with that game coming up next week. Uh, definitely makes that one a more circleable game. I know maybe a lot of Ohio State fans are kind of glazing over it, But this is a this is a competitive Maryland team. This is a good Maryland team. And Maryland has played Ohio State very closely in the past. I think that's a big game this upcoming week.
0: I have had at least two, I think three, maybe different people come on this podcast. uh, One of them a Maryland fan. The other one's not uh, predicting that Maryland will beat Ohio State. This season, and I laughed at them. I told them, you know, that's a weird prediction. You're just doing this for clicks. Um, I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I am a more of a believer in it this right now than I have been before. Okay, and now Ohio State fans were always kind of down on our team a little bit, just kind of the nature of being pessimistic Ohio State fans. But I think this is Maryland's shot more than any other time to do that. Um, but you know, we'll stick on the Maryland-Indiana game for now. Sunny, what were your thoughts on that?
1: I'm not as high on Maryland yet, you know, until they actually play somebody. It's just one of those where, you know, I think they're a very confident team. I think they're a very cocky team, but uh, I think they're, you know, their next game is against Ohio State, right? Or am yeah. I getting that wrong? Yes. Yeah, making
0: a kick off this Saturday, I think.
1: Compete in that game, and then maybe I'll uh, give you more attention. You know, again, they're, they're a rowdy bunch, especially the big banter folks. But they're being rowdy about being clearly the fourth best team in the conference. So it's like, you know, what are you really all that happy for?
0: In their mind, they're first. You've seen their power rankings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I appreciate the confidence, but uh, it's also a little bit of insanity. Anyway, um, so if you didn't know this, Maryland, this is their first and 5-0 start since 2001. That year, they started 5-0. and They finished 10-2, and and they went to the Orange Bowl. So... Who knows that we could be looking at another really good season for Maryland here. Uh, and this is, this was my takeaway from it with Maryland. I'll get to Indiana in a minute, but this was my takeaway with Maryland. They could not score unless they had big plays in this game. Six of those seven drives that they scored on. It were in five plays or less. They, they had to have big plays in order to march down the field against this Indiana team. Any drive where they had more than five plays, well, not any. There was one drive where they had more than five plays, but it was like toward the end of the game. I think their backups were in at this time. Um, they, they couldn't march down the field and really – you know, put together a solid drive to do that. They had to have these big plays. So, you know, props to Maryland to be able to make these big plays. But at the same time, you're not going to get big plays on that like that against Penn State and Michigan and maybe even Ohio State this year, um, nearly as much as you would on an Indiana. Um, And then with Indiana, uh, my thoughts were the most positive thing out of this is that Walt Bell was fired uh, less than 24 hours after the game. That offense is just terrible. Um, I think they have really good players on that offense. I think David Jackson is good. I think Cam Camper is good. I think Jalen Lucas is good. I think those are all good athletes. Uh, but Walt Bell, I, I unfortunately, I just think he was a little in over his head um, with that hire. And unfortunately, I think this is Tom Allen's kind of last effort to make sure uh, he can do one more thing to try and not get fired. The the blame this guy type of thing. So we'll see what goes on from here. Uh, but I think I was watching this game with an Indiana fan, and uh, he was just he he was just saying seasons over. It is what it is. Let's just hopefully beat Purdue, and that's all he was saying. So we'll see where we go from here. All right, Louisiana at Minnesota. We've got kind of our uh non Big Ten games left here. Louisiana uh, loses to Minnesota, 35 to 24. Minnesota they did not have Darius Taylor the leading rusher in the Big 10 for this one so that was a little iffy the defense see if they were going to be able to play well after giving up what they gave up to Northwestern last week sunny i know you love to talk minnesota what were your thoughts on this one
1: the big 10 west is really really bad um minnesota was down early you know against louisiana and again you know that w- put it on my radar to watch the game. And, you know, they came back uh, and won, obviously. But, you know, it just, you know, just going back to the Illinois game, it hurts losing to Purdue, you know, making the Big Ten West out you know, out of reach because the, 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 that side of the division is up for grabs. And, you know, a team that literally only plays on one side of the football is now the favorite, I think, out there. Um, Minnesota's, you know, they just got to – I wonder where PJ Flex Mind is at because you see a lot of these lists for – um, potential coaches at Michigan state, you see his name, uh, come up. Um, you see the, you know, the big banter boys for Minnesota, like they claim PJ Fleck has the, you know, the best agent in the game. Cause anytime there's a job opening, uh, that comes up, his name is always out there. So I wonder if there's any truth to that, you know, if that's he. his eyes are wandering a little bit, you know, or he's just trying to get a pay raise from Minnesota, but you know, it's, not a good team. Um, They're not, they didn't play a great uh, opponent and, you know, that victory against Nebraska week one is looking worse and worse every week now that we see how
0: bad Nebraska is. So it's, you know, just another team in the big 10 West uh, fire. That's a really interesting point. Looking back at that game and seeing the two teams with where they are today, Brant, what did you think about Minnesota in this game? And then just going forward as well.
2: Yeah. So back to the PJ Fleck point uh, with his name kind of floating around, And coaching search uh, opportunities is he potentially on the hot seat because i think there's a real chance that after that loss to northwestern and definitely a slow start against louisiana this week uh this minnesota team is not very good if they lose a few more games unexpected if they don't maybe if they don't make a bowl game if they go five and seven pj fleck could potentially see feel that seat getting really really warm and i i don't know like you mentioned earlier in the show jr With all the new teams coming into the Big Ten, you've really got to hit on a guy um, to really propel some of these lower programs up into that mix. And PJ Flex has been here for a few years. He hasn't beat Iowa one time since he's been here. He hasn't won the Big Ten West. Um, He just hasn't really been getting it done at Minnesota. Well, he's been mediocre, but he hasn't been, like, good, you know?
0: Yeah, I had, uh, two Minnesota fans on last week to recap the games, uh, the, from the We Live for Saturdays podcast. Uh, and I asked them point blank, I said, you know, is PJ Flick's seat hot? Cause this was after the Northwestern game. And they were both adamant, no, 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 no. PJ Fleck, you know, he, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. We love him here. Uh, you know, administration loves him, you know, yada, yada, yada. So I, <sighs> As much as I think PJ Flick probably should be on the hot seat, you know, for all the crap that Ryan Day gets for not beating Michigan the past two years, you, you said it, Brent, he has never beaten Iowa. And like, I know that Minnesota is not what Minnesota was back a hundred years ago, but still like, you have to beat your rival at some point. Like I just, as a fan could never see me just being okay that my coach never beats my rival. Right? Like. And, and I get, I'm kind of there with Ryan Day. Uh, but even back in the John Cooper days, like my dad talks about those, like it was the Great Depression. I mean, and John Cooper wasn't bad. Like John Cooper was a good Ohio State coach. He just couldn't get over the Michigan hump. Uh, you know, Michigan had his number. And so, just really really interesting to think about so uh so yeah all right let's get to our last game Wagner at Rutgers Rutgers destroys them 52 to three I didn't know Rutgers had this in them but apparently uh they have it they have it in them um Brent what were your thoughts on this one
2: yeah I mean it's Wagner it's a scrimmage week but for Rutgers to go out and win against anybody by that margin 52 to three uh very impressive and has got to get the team hyped up because they've got a big three-game stretch coming up. Um, they need to win two of those three to become bowl eligible. They have uh, Wisconsin on the road next week, so that's a tough one. That's a real tough one. Uh, but then they've got Michigan State at home, and they've got Indiana on the road. And those are two very, very winnable games that uh, Rutgers is probably going to be favored in and almost expected to win. So to go out and do that against Wagner, win 52-3, to uh, just have the offense humming, the defense humming, uh, it's gotta be, a, it's it's gotta have everyone in the locker room feeling great. It's gotta have fans feeling great. Um, is Rutgers football back? They, they might be. Yeah. I think that's a good
0: question. Sunny. what were your thoughts? Yeah.
2: I mean, Rutgers just might be good. You know, like,
1: uh, all the season previews, you know, they usually are right there, um, at the bottom with Northwestern, but I think at the very least, they're clearly not in the cellar of the big 10 anymore. Greg Ciano, he's been there again for a few years and he's been putting his uh, footprint down over there. And, you know, I think they're clearly better than Michigan State, Indiana, uh, Northwestern. So you're talking about, you know, being the fifth worst team in the Big Ten, which again, you know, and they might be higher than that. You know, I might, my Illinois bias might not let me put them ahead of uh, Illinois, but, you know, by season's end, you know, they may end up being a middle tier uh, Big Ten team. And for Rutgers, that's just, you know good for them
0: this would be the best season they have ever had in the big 10 and the best season they've had with greg Schiano since he came back obviously they had better seasons when he was there before but since coming back i want to do this really fast guys uh we're almost about to be done here but let's go ahead i just want to go through rucker's schedule and you guys tell me win or loss i have it pulled up here actually i think i can bring it up uh, so that way everybody can see it Yeah, I can do it right here on my second screen. There we go. All right, so if you're on YouTube, you can see this here. All right, so they obviously win Northwestern, win Temple, win Virginia Tech, lost to Michigan, win against Wagner. What do you guys think? At Wisconsin, win or loss?
2: Loss. Yeah, I think that's too tough of an environment against uh, a pretty solid Wisconsin team, probably the best team in the West. Okay,
0: all right, so they're 4-1 with a loss against Wisconsin. Okay, Michigan State.
2: I think that's a win. I, I think they come away with that one, absolutely.
0: I think so, too. All right, at Indiana.
2: I mean, is is playing at Indiana really a, a home field advantage? No. I, I think they come away with that one as well. That Indiana team looked rough, um, and that their coach might even be fired by that game. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say win also. Um, you know, Old Harris might not be the last coaching change uh of the season for Indiana.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so win there. Um Ohio State, loss, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sure.
0: Um at Iowa.
2: Loss. That's loss, a loss. We think.
0: Okay. All right. Uh at Penn State. That's, that's a loss. A- I think a loss. Okay, and then Maryland.
2: Another loss. I'm going to chalk it up as a loss, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a Maryland team that's beat up after taking on Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, like all those weeks right prior. So I I wouldn't be that surprised if if they could sneak it out, but I'm going to say it's a loss for now.
0: I feel like, personally, they're going to split either that Iowa or Maryland game. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like you guys just said it, Rutgers could be the fifth best team in the Big Ten. Who's the fourth best team? Maryland. And they're going to be at Rutgers. So I don't know. I feel like they could split that Iowa and Maryland game, which would put them at. So if we just went loss, 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 like we were talking about there, they would be six and six. If they split the Iowa Maryland game, they would be seven and five. I mean, you tell me, is that a successful season for Rutgers? Oh,
2: yeah, undoubtedly. Well,
0: absolutely. I think their over under was four and a half coming into this year. And, you know,
1: anytime Rutgers can make it to a bowl, You know, that's got to be a resounding success for that program.
0: And I would be very interested to see them in a bowl, even if they're playing a group of five team or something like that. I would be very interested to see what they could do outside of the Big Ten. So, all right, Rutgers, you heard it here first. I'm rooting for you to get to seven and five. Just please don't beat the Buckeyes to get there. Um, That would break my heart. So... (laughs) All right, we are uh, we are gonna be finishing up here. Thanks so much, guys, for coming on. And don't forget, Big Banter Sports. Please go to bigbantersports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. You can find everything you need there. And follow them on social media. You can follow Sonny at the Sunny V and the Lion ICast. And then same with Brent. Brent, you can just go to Big Banter Sports on Twitter, Instagram. Find them there and all those things. Uh, Wednesday, we do want to let you know Wednesday is our first basketball episode. We're gonna have Burke from often daunted the Indiana podcast coming on to talk some news and notes and then just talk about what to expect this season from the Big Ten can the Big Ten finally get somebody further in the tournament or is the Big Ten going to continue to kind of be this good conference that people look at and say you know yeah you're good in the regular season but you don't do much more after that you'll hear all about it on the Big Ten Huddle thanks so much guys for joining me and thank you for listening have a great day